and Legacy Lawyers. Hosted by Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Mike, are you wearing a expensive tailored suit? Nope. Eddie Bauer t-shirt. Oh, (laughs) almost the same thing. (laughs) You know, they do make a good (laughs) t-shirt. Are you? Oh no, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a Voyant Legal Polo. We need to get you uh also you, nice, you, but I know a guy named Hugh Grossner. He's got a he's got a nice suit. You should ask him. 31 years old, the seventh Duke of Westminster. The seventh Duke. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know my me neither. Your yeah, royalty. I don't know what that really means, but your dukeisms. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I don't either. It just means that he's some sort of a big deal in Great Britain. Apologies to our British listeners, but the youngster is overseeing a, an estate of some thirteen billion dollars. Billion. Billion. Yeah. And he probably he probably generated all that himself and started mm-hmm. from scratch. He's a self-made billionaire. Yeah, it's a it was a tech startup. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep it a straight face. Uh, I don't know that he knows how to use a computer. Uh, probably because he's been put through the finest preparatory schools that money can buy. So Nathan and I today we're going to talk about how <laughs> there. You can create generational wealth using your estate planning and talk a little bit about how your planning might change over time. But you don't need you don't need to be a young tech wizard. You can start out with a lousy swamp and broken down orchard and turn it into 13 billion dollars. Okay, so let's yeah, so let's set the <laughs> let's set the uh, if anyone's listening, they're like, I'm so I'm I'm not following these guys. <laughs> I know, but that's how we roll. So <laughs> go ahead. You can set you can set it up. Okay. So there is a dynasty trust, is what we'll call it. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. Family from Great Britain that um the Grosvenors Grosvenor, I guess is how you would pronounce it. And they're worth, like we said, $13 billion. And this dynasty, this money, this wealth started back when their original Grosvenor received a dowry from the parents of his 12-year-old bride. That's changed a little bit. Most people don't get married at 12, but... And most people don't know what a dowry is, so you better tell them what that is. So it's, it's a gift that you you give when you're giving your daughter away or marrying her off you say hey here's your here's her dowry and i think it's an incentive i get people to marry and i i don't even it doesn't really make sense to me i'm sure it makes sense to some people but do you know much more take about dowries if, besides if you'll, if you'll take her off my hands <laughs> I'll give you, that's not how most people feel about their daughters like <laughs> at this stage I would pay people to not to to stay away from my daughter. Like, <laughs> no, it's a dowry. So there was, what's the other one? Um, a curtsy, which I think goes the other direction. Mm. 
dower and curtsy. So this this dowry was 300 acres of swamp and orchard to the west of the city of London from the parents of Mary Davies. Swamp and orchard, 250 acres. So the area now is a modern day neighborhood of Mayfair and Belgravia. Belgravia? Yeah. Hot, so it's hot, kind of London's a- London's most well-heeled tenants. Might be talking a little bit out of class here, but it's almost like consideration for the marriage contract. So if you don't go through with changing the- something of value. Oh, there might be some legal basis for it, huh? Yeah. Well, so he got he got this 300 acres, and you know, instead of you know Sir Thomas wasting it and blowing it, he uh he created a fortune. Yeah, like it'd be interesting to know what moves he made. Was he growing grapes in the vineyard? No, it wasn't a vineyard, it was an orchard. It says today that their empire um, is mostly tied up in real estate spanning London, Madrid homes, and San Francisco shopping centers. Sounds like he developed the land, maybe made some money that way and kept developing. Yeah, that's crazy. So dowries um, were expected and demanded as a condition to accept a marriage proposal. Mm. They go way back before England. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I think they were pretty entrenched in history for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. So he made this money and they set it up. So this is what's kind of unique. The fort, the structure, the fortune is structured on the system of male primogeniture, meaning a younger son can displace an elder daughter in the line of succession. Yeah, so this kid had two older sisters, but... So the current, yeah, the current... uh, He was the one named the Duke. Current Duke Hugh. Well, they're all Hughes. He supplanted his... Well, the first was Sir Thomas, so... Okay, but then there's Hughes. There's a lot of Hughes. Yeah. So he sub, so he skipped above his two sisters, and it's not really clear in this article if that just means like all the assets are his, and his sisters just have to hope hope he shares with them, or if it just means he gets to control the the fortune, and and then his sisters are still kind of partial beneficiaries of it. So right now, in our jurisdiction, a trust can last for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. This was done when? When did this? 17th century. 1600s. So it goes back about a thousand years, according to this article. wonder if your lineage back that far. How they got past the... 17th century would only put us like, what, 400 years? Yeah, I wonder, but but I wonder how they got past, because I don't know what British law is on this, but past the rule against perpetuities. Well, and then they have holdings in the United States, so they're dealing with different jurisdictional law mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see all the details probably not for our listeners but for me and you we'd probably find that yeah like we could geek out on this for quite some time yeah so it's a very male dominated setup and that's how it was in europe right During yeah, all of the state planning century. was done through the male line i think I mean, if you're a fan of uh, 
Downton Abbey. I think there's part of that in it. I think they have a. No, I'm not. I haven't ever watched it, which is probably why we didn't do so well when we did that <laughs> Downton Abbey escape room. You know? <laughs> yeah, that one was. That we we kind of we got owned. <laughs> we kind of sucked that one up. I think there was a language barrier. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what they meant by half the words. So Nathan, fast forward right from 17th mm-hmm. century to now, the whole mayor, the whole male dominance thing doesn't sit right, right? No. The so they've started. They say here that they've integrated a lot more women into the management team at, at the, you know, at, at their holding companies, and they're being more equitable and everything. But from the way I read this, at the end of the day, it sounds like Hugh's still. <laughs> the man. The man. So I don't know if this was a PR, like, hey, let's put some lipstick on this pig and maybe everyone will mm-hmm. like us. As he's as he's like strolling down the red carpet here from his limo and his like as you said, that suit is on point. Yeah. His suit and this article, the picture man. <clears throat> And there's no way his hair got that way because of wind. Like somebody painstakingly styled it so that it looks. If anyone's watching YouTube, I'll do a I'll do a share of the screen so you can do it. Uh, There you go. Look at that strapping young. Look at that strapping young lad. (laughs) He's a strapping lad. I mean, he looks like he's down for business in that picture. It's a it's a power picture. So that is for sure. Like he's ready for business. He's ready for business. So when I read this, I'm like, you know, I, I don't. A lot of people aren't beneficiaries of a thousand year old fortune, and <laughs> you're like, why do I care about this? But it brings up a point. Well, they, some people are a fan of chanel products and maybe should do a screen share of hugh richard arthur in 1925 hanging with coco chanel okay and she's wearing very um she's got some furs very offensive furs <laughs> a lot of people don't like the furs either that there's a lot of dead animals that gave their lives for that coat <laughs> Look at the likeness in him and his face and that and the current Duke's face. If you could make that bigger, man, that's crazy. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Hit that little arrow. Is that arrow coming up? The expand. There you go. Get you, <clears throat> get you some zoom in here, Nathan. So there's yeah. the face, right? Of yeah, and like, he looks so time. much like so that would have been what his grandfather or is that his dad? It's probably his great grandfather because his dad died at 64. So that wouldn't get us there. So it's probably his grandfather or great grandfather. But there it is. Serious. They look so much alike, I think. Oh my God. And it's black and white, but I bet same he's. Look, man, that's the same look. Yeah. Same steely stare. And so if the reason though, I think. This should give anyone a little bit of pause as they're doing their estate planning because, I mean, the 300 acres he got was probably, I mean, it had definitely some value. And, but to turn that into 
you know, $13 billion over the next seven or eight generations is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And that's only possible because he had a dynasty trust estate plan set up. He had it set up that it was going to continue for generations and he planned it for generations. And so, I mean, I mean, in fairness, he might've not had it exactly set up that way to begin with. And, but over time, I think the key here is that there was continuous legal work on this thing for years and years and years. Yeah. So I don't know. I have some clients who have a few million and they're like, Hey, do I really, do I just divide that up and call it good? Or do I try to kind of put some parameters on it and say, Hey, it's going to be managed and grown and it's going to trickle down to the other generations. And I mean, if you do it right, it can really add up because the most important thing with money is time, right? We all see the charts that say, Hey, if you put a hundred bucks in today, you know, in 50 years, a hundred bucks is going to be worth X amount of money. And it's usually pretty shocking how much more it adds up to. So so I think people skip that opportunity sometimes. They 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 just kind of maybe focus a little too much on the short term, and they don't they don't really explore whether or not they should be doing more of a long term strategy and thinking more. Yeah, and I get the sense. I mean, there's enough messed up trust fund babies in the world that I find a lot of clients are worried about that. That the money's gonna. Although that doesn't solve your situation where there's several million and you're just going to divide it up and hand it over to the kids. Odds that I'd say it's like one in 10 that they don't blow it. Yeah. I mean, they actually, they have studies on this. Oh, like, and it's sad. Like I may have to mute while you say this because it's just so depressing. So I'd have to pull up the exact numbers, but a generate like usually by the third generation, like 80 to 90% of the wealth is lost and wasted. Well, and I've seen things shorter than that, like number of months after somebody receives, like say an inherited IRA, Poof. instead of rolling it and keeping it and growing it, the number of people that just liquidate it and it's gone, it's spent. Mm-hmm. It's mind blowing. Like I think the, and I'm just going off of what I can recall, but I think it's like the average is like 16 months or something. The IRA money's gone. That the IRA money's gone. Yeah. Which is, I, I don't know, you know, it's kind of usually most of the people who are leaving a good chunk of inheritance, they, they worked really hard. They sacrificed, they were really careful with their money and that doesn't necessarily translate into maybe I'm jumping the gun and where you're going. Go ahead first. Oh, I'm just, I, I don't know if that was, if, if I had saved that money and I found out that it was blown that quickly, I would kind of, I'd feel a little, a little frustrated. Yeah. I, Cause I would I know to sacrifice to build it. Right. Yeah. And I guess what I was, what I was going to, the thought that comes to my mind when you say that is that you would think that that also means that they worked really hard. They sacrificed, they saw the value of preserving it. And so they taught their kids all these good habits and they helped them understand the value of it. And I mean, that is so, well, first of all, parents, 
you can you can be the best parent in the world and have kids that go different directions than you would anticipate or want them to and sometimes even they go and completely destroy themselves that's just the nature of being human but but that being said i've i know a lot of i can't say anything beyond what i'm going to say here i'm going to disclose a situation but i know um of of scenarios like this where that's not at all what happened. The, the parents did all the work. They basically went from, they were self-made multi, multi, multi-millionaires and their kids are not ever going to be in a position to take over and manage that wealth. They just, it, it ruined them. Well, and I mean, most of my clients, when I sit down and talk to them, they have a kid that kind of fits almost each category, right? They have the kid who's done better than them they have more money than the than my client right they say hey you know, bill's got more money than us he doesn't really care or need about the inheritance um and then there's someone in the middle who kind of does okay but isn't they could use the inheritance yeah they'd it, probably do good things with it yeah they'd probably be do you know they might pay off their house which is good which is a good option mm -hmm. um they probably wouldn't grow the inheritance or double it or triple it you know but they'd probably do something somewhat reasonable you always got the one that can't keep five bucks in their pocket it's burning mm -hmm. a hole at all times and they would blow it all mm -hmm. and then you get the really hard situations where it's substance abuse or you know a whole line you know criminal behavior and like really or Really bad super thing. manipulative mm -hmm. spouse that is basically going to commandeer that inheritance and do things they wouldn't want done with it. So a lot of families, when I talk to them, they have they have a kid that fits in multiple categories, and it's just everyone has their own personalities and they have their own money habits, and so you gotta decide: like, do I care how it's spent, or do I want to see what this you know, can do over time and impact multiple generations. Right. Have you met a trust fund run baby before Nathan? Mm -hmm. Really? I know. I know a couple and your thoughts. One of them is he's the typical, he's done better for himself now that he's like in his forties, but he spent the first 30, 35 years of his life doing drugs and mm -hmm. knowing that, I mean, he should be dead multiple times over. Um, he's now, he's, I think he's managing it better now. I'm trying to think if I've got. So would the trust yeah. pay for anything he wanted or even if he was on drugs? Yeah, I don't know how that worked, but he definitely, um, he there was always money when he wanted to try his next business ventures, several of which failed, always lived on big pieces of property with all the toys. So yeah, I don't know what the mm. gatekeeping mechanism was, but so I think he would all, I think he would, he, he would make money along the way and continue to blow it because of his habit. So it was probably a combination of that he does have some business talent and then that he was able to, and he's a, he's a player, like he'd be able to gain, he, he's good at gaming systems. So he'd figure out a way to get that money, even though 
there, there might have been some protections. Issues. Yeah, then I know um, another trust fund baby that is the complete opposite of, of that. This guy works as hard as anybody I know and is growing his own empire, almost acting like the trust doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So he just used it to help him get a, to get it. Yeah. He used it to get started doing what he wants to do and he's been very successful. And so, yeah, I've seen, I've seen both. Yeah. I've, um, I've haven't seen too many that have been quite in bad shape as you kind of described the first one, but I've seen kind of in between, but you know, I had a law school classmate that that was a situation he was impressive. So I don't know, you know, I haven't kept in touch with him much since law school, but um, from a little bit I've seen, he's, he's done quite well. So it's kind of, uh, I think you're going to, so my takeaway is I think you're still, you're going to have that variety no matter how you do your estate planning, right? If you just give everything to everyone right away, you're going to have some good apples and bad apples. And then if you do it kind of by generation, you're going to have some generations where it helps and hurts. Yeah, and I guess if you build the right parameters and protection mechanisms into the the plan and maybe use a professional trustee, those two things could go a long way towards preventing the kind of scenario I described first and kind of helping promote the the successful person that uses it for. Yeah, I think if you're going more than one generation it's really hard not to use a professional trustee because mm-hmm. you just put in a lot of faith in the kids to manage this thing and not good odds yeah well just put there's just a lot of pitfalls there and a lot of risks. well it's a there's a reason that people get paid to do it it's not easy it's it has to be done right it's there's technical aspects to it if your family, the, the, the odds are high that, you know, personal feelings and relationships and things like that are going to play in. Whereas the professional trustee, they just, they have, they're held to a specific standard and they can stay objective. They treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and the other thing this article kind of made me think of is like how how the law does change <laughs> like yeah because imagine what's changed since the 1600s yeah in the law i mean back in the 17th century it was just the male heirs that were getting these getting control and you know that just seems so ridiculous now you know what i mean um yeah well and that that's obvious that's the obvious change but i'm saying from the standpoint of like what our listeners might be trying to take from this and that is that you do need a trusted legal advisor to review things as time goes on because the law changes family circumstances change there's just so much that can go on that can change yeah, so it's and then really, if you multiply it by, you know, 500 years, 400 years. And that's the trick of doing a good dynasty trust, right? Like you want to lock it up enough so that 
people don't manipulate it and people don't use it as something that, you know, perpetuates a drug habit, for example, or other, other poor behavior. And you want to, you want to set it up, you want to have enough restrictions and protections that way, but then you got to, but you want to build in a little bit of flexibility so that as things do change in the world and the family, you know, 400 years is who knows what the world looks like. Right. So how do you do that? That's, that's kind of the real. Well, you, you build a trust advisor, trust protector provision in and give them the proper powers to make changes as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a way to do it. So cool. Well, Nathan, I mean, if I try to find out where he got his suit, (laughs) I'm in the market. I was going to say, if I find any more pictures of you, I'll, uh, I'll send them over and you can do yeah, some I just mainly want to look at, uh, there's no way I'm going to pull off that hair ever without a serious surgery or <laughs> a wig. Yeah, I'll get you a wig. Um, but the suit? You could get the suit. Yeah, you could get the suit. I I'm interested to know where, but the family has a tailor, mm-hmm. maybe an army of tailors. Yeah, that's probably a custom suit. There's probably a guy in London. Yeah. You'd have to go there to get it. Back in the day, that's how you, that's how you got the name Taylor. Is <laughs> you, you tailored clothing. Well, I'll find like five or six pictures of all the family generations and line them up in a row for you. Okay, and see if I can, and then I'll go out and see if I can find a suit that brings all of it together. That's a, that's a, a sweet looking coat that his grandpa's got on to yeah. the double breasted button. Oh yeah. Hanging out with Coco. Looking that. Yeah. Looking sharp and sharp. That well everyone thanks for joining us for this episode hope you enjoyed it talk to you next time see ya you've been listening to legacy lawyers with michael haslam and nathan croxford we give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with we take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation the effects of not doing planning can be devastating we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on facebook and instagram at voyant legal call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com and for commonly asked questions hit voyantlegal.com slash resources we'll see you next time